from WMYC Studios and Snap Judgment's underground lair. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the Battle Lines episode. My name is Glenn Washington. Now, you know that we cannot leave you in the Battle Lines episode without hearing from Snap's resident battle veteran. He served in Iraq and Kuwait. Before all that, he was on the border of North Korea in the DMZ. I take you to Snap Judgment live in Portland with Ray Christian. Sensitive listeners, please note this story does contain racially inappropriate language. Snap Judgment, live. American imperialist, we will destroy you. Negro GIs, think for yourselves. Negro GIs. Do these North Koreans realize that this is the 1980s and not the 1950s? But that's targeted propaganda, like that's something new. But it's 1980, and MASH is the highest rated show on television. And I'm a 19-year-old infantryman assigned to the 2nd Infantry Division in South Korea. The warriors we call ourselves. And our mission is to conduct combat ambush patrols inside the demilitarized zone to stop North Korean infiltration. We are a tight-knit group of guys, diverse, from all over the country. Different races, different religions, and different body odors. And we are intimate, as intimate as you can be with a group of guys and you have to depend on them to have your back in combat. As intimate as you can be with a group of guys when 25 of you have to share three shower heads and our naked wet bodies are touching. Where a drop bar of soap meant, or a drop bar of soap meant it was the end of the uh, shower for me because I didn't want to test anybody's loyalty in that way. (laughs) But at any rate, we were tight. We were bonded together, except when we went into the village. The village was a collection of American-themed clubs and bars that catered to American soldiers in every possible way. And when I flew into country, I bonded with this white guy from California over the whole idea of what we were going to do when we got into country and what we were going to do when we went on pass. Well, as soon as I finished talking to this guy, a black guy in my unit named Moses, a guy from uh, Mississippi, he pulls me over to the side and he says, hey man, you're not really going to go to the village with that white boy, are you? And I said, why not? And he says, hey man, just trust me. Trust the brothers. So that night, the first time we get to go out on pass, we enter the village. And the village is a kaleidoscope of sights and sounds and the smell of charcoal, kimchi, and fish permeate the air. And you can look way down the end of the village and you can see a line of clubs organized by musical theme. Salsa, rock and roll, country western, rhythm and blues. So me and Moses were standing in the middle of the village trying to get our bearing outside the cowboy club, which is all decked out with Confederate flags. And a group of girls that were working the club, they come outside and they look at us and they say, hey, niggas no can come in. We don't have banjo for you to play. And a group of white guys who were standing outside the club, they started laughing hysterically. And one guy in particular, I noticed him because he's in my unit. 
And I look at Moses and I say to where the hell do they get this? What makes them think that all black people know how to play the banjo? Who tells them this stuff? And Moses pats me on the back and he says, hey man, the village has its own rules. Come on, let's walk. So we started to proceed through the village and something catches my attention out the corner of my eye. And it's a white guy in our unit in an alley getting the hell beat out of him by two other white guys. So I immediately rushed him to go in to help the guy and Moses grabs me by the arm and he says, no, 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 man. We don't get involved in the village. Race is our unit. Remember, the village has its own rules. And I said, hey, yeah, 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 I know. But I don't feel good about it. So we continue our walk. And as we continue down the village, we pass a long series of clubs with these big old posters upside. The Salsa Club, the Grand Ole Opry Club, the Queers and Steers Club, the South Will Rise Again Club, and my favorite, the No White Boys Can Come In Club. So we finally walk down to what's called the black part of the village in front of this club that's called JJ's, which is named after the 1970s sitcom, Good Time. And there's this huge giant mural of Jimmy Walker right outside. And all the girls have their hair fixed like afros. And strangely enough, they all have the same names, Thelma and Floridishi, which is two of the female characters from the show itself. So I go up to the door, and I say to one of the girls, hey, you don't look like Florida. And she says, I do. And you know looking like a JJ. I consider that a compliment, and I go inside. Well, after a long night of hedonistic drinking and partying, I see hundreds of GIs emerging from every alley and club in the village all forming together into one wobbly formation, headed back to the base. The next day, I'm standing in the child line, and I'm feeling real good about being one of the brothers. So I decide that I'm going to greet every black soldier that's in the child line. So I don't just say hello. I don't just hug them. I give everybody what was called the dap. Now, the dap was an elaborate handshake back in the day. But what I'm really trying to do is just irritate the white guys in this child line. So I just started making up <laughs> to that white guy who's from standing outside that club. He yelled out, boy, how long is it going to take you for your little thing to be over with? People are trying to eat. And the child line erupts. The brothers go crazy. Moses says, who the hell are you calling boy? And I went, yeah, yeah, who are you calling boy? And two sergeants run outside the mess hall, one black and one white, and they separate us, and they throw us out of the child line. We don't get to eat. But later that day, we're out conducting our combat patrol. We move into our ambush site. Our mission was to bring back any North Korean equipment or papers or leases that we found. As we're moving into our ambush site, I notice a group of papers on the ground. They're about half the size of a dollar, reddish green in color, and in English, they have the words, 
Negro GIs kill your evil white officers driving you into this dangerous war. I gather them up. We come back from patrol and we're debriefed. I turn in two leaflets. Now we could get court-martialed for even being in possession of these things, but these are rare souvenirs. They're collector's items. And those that target black soldiers in particular are the rarest of all. We're not supposed to have any contact with these things, but we want them. So when I get back from patrol to the base camp, everybody hears about these propaganda leaflets that I'm not supposed to have that are illegal. Everybody wants to see them. Everybody wants to talk about them or everybody wants to trade with them. Later that night, I'm walking through the tent area and I hear the unmistakable sound of somebody getting their beat. I pull the curtain back on the tent and I go inside and I see Moses and a couple of the brothers and they are beating the hell out of this guy. It's a white guy. And everybody is staring at me and they don't move. And it takes them a while for their eyes to adjust. Then I noticed a sly smile start over the, to merge over their faces. And Moses looks at me and he says, hey, Christian, what's up? I said, hey, what's up? What'd he do? He said, you remember he said, boy, in the child line. And he stole one of the leaflets. And I look over in the corner. And on the bunk, I see a crumpled up bloody propaganda leaflets with the words just barely exposed, kill the evil white. And I look at Moses, and he looks back at me, and he says, so hey, man, what are you going to do? Well, now I have a decision to make. I like being one of the brothers. I like being one of these Negro soldiers. But I do have white friends in the unit as well. So I start looking around the tent, looking around, and I see a piece of iron rebar, and I pick it up. And I push my way through the group of them, and I spread them. And I raise that piece of rebar over my head, and I say, this has got to stop. This has got to end. Somebody has to die for this right now. And Moses grabs my arm, and he says, no, 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 man, what are you doing? We ain't trying to kill nobody. And I said, if you can't take it, if you can't stand it, if you can't tolerate what's about to happen, then get out, leave. They all walk out of the tent. The guy, he's covering his face, he's trembling. And I raise that piece of rebar over my head and I'm going to bring it down and split his damn skull wide open. I drop the rebar. I look over at the bunk. I pick up the leaflet and I put it in my pocket. The next day, we're on the patrol vehicle, and we're headed to the DMZ. It's a quiet ride. And the guy, the white guy, is on the patrol with me, and he's sitting across from me on the vehicle. 
Now normally before we go out on patrol, we like to hug each other, pat each other up, shake hands, give each other the dap. We never know if this could be our last day. And I look at the guy and he's nervous and uneasy. And I lean into him and I put my hand out. And he looks at it like he doesn't know what to do with it. But I just give him a regular handshake. That'll do for now. We get to the gate. The guard approaches and he says, you are about to enter the demilitarized zone. Lock and load your weapons at this time and good luck. We place a magazine inside our M16s and we chamber around. We stare at each other. We conduct our patrol. We do find leaflets, but we don't bring any back. Ray Christian, Snap Judgment Live. If you want to hear more about the world of Ray Christian, check out his podcast, What's Ray Saying? I have a link at snapjudgment.org. The original score for that story was by Bell's Atlas. Snap Judgment's live band, look for their new album, Bell's Atlas, was produced by Mark Ristich and Davey Kemp. 